went dark. <laughs> so maybe we're on. Maybe we're not. I'm going to say we're on Children <laughs> of Earth. By my calculations, it's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday night. And that can only mean that it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. We're broadcasting from the safety of a location far away from Utopia Planitia. Today's mission, talking to all of you about Children of Mars, the very latest short trek. And the last one before we kick off the season of Star Trek Picard. Welcome. Next week. Yeah, <laughs> you're excited. We're going to talk a little bit of Picard tonight, just a little. Uh, by the way, Holly, welcome to the show. Uh, very quick programming note. So originally Claire Kramer had been slotted literally for weeks to be on tonight's show, and she had a last minute, very last minute family concern. So fortunately, Holly, here in the office, and as an awesome friend and friend of the show, stepped in. So thank you very, very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. No problem. Um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And of course, we'll be doing this again. And of course, Claire will be back again. So don't worry about that as well. It's nice to have this, as I envisioned it, the rotating cast of Mission Log co-hosts, Mission Log Live co-hosts, I should say. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you for stepping in to talk to all of us. And I do mean all of us. You watching you know the drill by now. You click on the Zoom meeting link or you pick up the phone and you dial and then you enter the meeting code. That number to reach us is 669-900-6833. The meeting code and the link are both in the comments and on screen during the broadcast. So do you guys have speculations about Picard? Uh, are you heartbroken about what happened on Mars? Are you trying to play the can game in your head and connect all of the dots? We're here for you. Like we just said, click on the Zoom meeting link below and uh, use the one tap from, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833. And soon enough, you'll be talking to us, your Star Trek pals, about all things Star Trek. And you said the magic words. You said Star Trek pals. And I'm looking at our Star Trek pals right now who are in the Facebook chat. So uh, just saying hi to the people who were saying hi to us. Uh, there's Dave. I love that Dave Taylor said that he got there early. Now the stream usually goes up about 15 minutes before uh, live time at seven o'clock. Uh, tonight we're a little bit delayed, but Dave likes to get there early so he can listen to the pleasant sounds of the beeps in the background. I like that. That's the kind of thing you put on, like there's a YouTube 24, you know about this, right? Like a 24 hour loop of the Enterprise D engine noise, or you can get bridge beeping noise. So that's, I, I understand that. I get it. Uh, there's Bob, there's Karen, there's Pam, there's Scott Palm saying hello to everybody. Hello, Scott. Uh, there's Rebecca, there's Paul, there's David, there's Evan. Uh, and Evan says, yay, I missed the last uh, live show with Holly and actually get to be here for this one. So hi, John. Hi, Holly. Hi, fellow mission loggers. So thank you for joining us, Evan. Uh, there's Carlos. Uh, there's Paul. There's uh, Douglas. Uh, he says Picard is old news for John and maybe for Holly as well. We <laughs> might talk. We'll see. Uh, so hi to everybody. Keep sending in the questions, the comments. And of course, pick up the phone or use the uh, the meeting link. Click that and then you will be there talking to us live. It's much more interesting when you're actually talking with us instead of just reading the text, I, I guarantee you. Um, let's talk a little bit about what is coming up. So next week on the live show, I'm very happy to bring another special guest host, that being Norman Lau. 
So those of you who have been listening to Mission Log and you know that we had a changeover in co-hosts, we announced last week that Norman Lau is the new co-host of Mission Log. And I mean, the main show, not uh, Mission Log Live, but your Thursday morning deep dive Mission Log. So Norman will be joining me live on Mission Log Live next Tuesday night to meet everybody, to chat, to answer questions, just sort of a, a little informal get to know you. Now we might have some topical stuff that we throw in there as well. Obviously a lot of speculation about Picard coming up. This is our in-between week. So why not invite Norman on to, uh, to get to know all of you as you get to know him. Now the Picard premiere is on January 23rd. That is a Thursday. And then Mission Log Live kicks off our coverage on our new night, Monday night, January 27th. And I'm also very happy to announce that we have a special guest host joining us for the entire 10-week run of Picard. This was, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea. You guys can tell me. But I had the idea of changing up co-hosts every time there is a new Star Trek season. And we have three this year. We have Picard. We have Lower Decks. We have season three of Disco. So joining me for the 10 weeks of Picard, special guest host, Rekha Sharma. Yes, it is the very first time that we have had a Star Trek actor as a co-host on Mission Log. Rekha will be guiding me and all of you through season one of Picard. Holly, you look very excited when I said that. I like her. She's 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 awesome, and I got to I got to meet her. Uh, she's super cool. A couple right? months ago, she's she's a lovely gal. Yes, yes. And and she is a fan of so much. I mean, of course, most people know that she was on Battlestar Galactica. She was on Discovery. Uh, her character is in uh, uh, Star Trek Online. And she just, she loves to geek out. And I can't wait to do this show with her. I think it'll be a blast. And it'll be fun to get different perspectives as we go through all the new Trek that is coming out this year. So very happy about that. Um, yeah, uh, Paul says, actor and a fan, I'm sure. Yes, she absolutely is. Uh, Evan, very excited about that. Karen, very excited about that. We all are. Oh, Paul says, Monday nights are no good for me. I'm so sorry, Paul, but you can always catch the video later or you can catch the uh, the audio cast. Uh, we usually try to get it that night or the next morning at the latest. So uh, at least it will be out. Um and Holly, before we move into the poll, before we move into the recap of this week's episode, before we talk to the people who are waiting patiently to talk to us, what were you doing last night? <laughs> <laughs> I was at the Picard premiere. Oh, yes. So tell me a little bit about your night. Uh, I mean, it was great. I We got to see the first three episodes of the series. Um, they had it together as if it were like a two-hour film and it was it was great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know what else to say like without spoilers like you and i were talking about it today but i'm like eh. yeah yeah i mean it's a very cool way to see that show and they did a similar thing for discovery they showed the first two, two episodes yeah. of season one together mm -hmm. cut as a feature film so you just you, no closing credits no opening credits in the middle just blam and it played like a movie. I I don't think the first three episodes of Picard play exactly like a movie, uh, the way that Discovery did, but I will say this. I really hope 
that people who are full of anticipation about Picard and are maybe a little bit on the fence, I hope they watch the first three because there's a lot of exposition, but there's also a lot of great character stuff. And I think you need to get to the end of that third episode to go, oh, okay, they told this part of the story. Now, now we're moving on. And I, I, none of that is spoilery at all, not getting into plot details or anything, but I just, I, I think you need to see it that way. I think you need to see the three and hopefully people will watch it week by week, but then maybe after three comes out, they'll go back and just watch one, two, and three together. I, right, I, I think right. it just worked nicely, you know? I think that it worked well the way that they edited it as well. Edited it? Edited Um. I I share your feelings. I hope that people stay long enough to get through those three episodes because it's a really great setup. Yeah. And I'm very excited to see the rest. <laughs> Although you and I have to wait, you know, several weeks before we see anything. We've new. got five but, weeks before we see anything new. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that said, that there's a lot to absorb with that, and not the least of which is just great characters. Just great characters. And some of my favorite characters are not the main characters. We we get this complexity out of these secondary and kind of peripheral characters who I just want to see more and more of. So uh, I don't want to say anything else, uh, but it was it was a great night. And uh, you were there on the red carpet and uh, hanging out with other fans. I mean, was it just like solid excitement and screaming for two hours before we went in to watch it? I mean, pretty much, yeah, every time a new... I mean, there were people... What I love about Star Trek fans is that they know everybody who's behind the scenes as well. So it wasn't just the actors. I mean, obviously, um, Patrick Stewart... Sir Patrick Stewart, excuse me, was the last one to show up. Um, You know, Jerry Ryan was there, and Brent Spiner was there, and they were all very excited. But people got really excited over the showrunner. People got really excited over the composer. So it's impressive to me that fans are aware of these people and what they look like because these, you, you don't usually see those people. Like they're not at the forefront of people's minds. So it makes me really happy that those people get recognized on the red carpet. I'm sure it's exciting for them too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I I mean, look, a a premiere is always a little bit uh, artificial is not the word, but you know, the, everybody is hyped up for the same thing and they all want to love what they're about to see. And they're all excited about seeing the stars come through. So it was just an incredibly exciting night, no matter what. And I, I can't wait to do the deep dive on this show because literally within that first 45 minute episode, I just thought, Oh, they're dealing with a lot of big themes here. Um, so that has me excited to get into our discussion on the show coming up. I'm excited for you. It's a really soon. great, it's a really great direction. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it'll be cool. All right. So enough about that. And if you call in asking for spoilers, we won't give them. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the poll question before we get into the recap. Holly, All right. do the honors. So last week's poll question was, how's 2020 treating you so far? And fifty-six of fifty-six percent of you said swell, and forty-four of you were a crying Spock. Forty-four oh. percent were a crying Spock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, at least we're majority are having a swell twenty twenty. I mean, it's close to half, which yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. It, it's <laughs> uh, look, it, it's tricky. And, and actually, my favorite comment still, I think I mentioned it last week, my favorite comment still is our, our own uh, indomitable uh, Earl Green, who in, in the comments said, uh, it's 2020. I can't tell if Edith Keeler lived or Edith Keeler died. <laughs> 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 yes, brilliant. Hey, uh, this week, so uh, in playing with the theme of Children of Mars, and I know that you all did what you're supposed to do. You went through and you, you did the freeze frame on all the video displays. They're in that six-minute short track. Uh, we asked you about the Rogue Synth, and we asked you, what is your favorite Rogue Synth? Is it the 1977 Mini Moog, or is it these things that are blowing up Mars? Uh, now, a full, I'm, I'm not surprised here, a full 73% of you said the 1977 Mini Moog. Of course, that's what Stevie Wonder played. How could it not be your favorite? Those things, those rogue scents, they're just there to wreak havoc and destroy Mars and Utopia Planitia. They're a bunch of jerks. So we don't know the full story in context yet, but as far as just asking you for a favorite tonight, I get it. You, you're on the side of the Mini Moog. How could you not be? It's a very cute synthesizer. It's the synth for the rest of us. So I get it. You love it. No problem there. Uh, hey, before we talk to our callers and we talk about uh, the, the deep dive into Children of Mars, I, if you'll allow me, I'll give us a quick recap. All right. So any of you who have not watched it yet, I apologize. We get into the spoiler territory on this particular episode, Children of Mars. Here we go. Meet Kima and Lil, both 12-year-old girls living on Earth and both attending the same school. Lil is human, Kima is an alien, and both of them have parents who are working very far away at the Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars. On the way to meet a shuttle to take them to school, Lil bumps into Kima, causing her to drop her bag, then causing her to miss the shuttle. When Kima finally does make it to school, she's in no mood. She bumps Lil in class, and Lil retaliates by drawing a caricature of their teacher and making it look like Kima's handiwork. Each encounter is worse than the last. Kima trips Lil in the library, and finally the two have a flat-out brawl in front of their lockers. Teachers pull them away from each other, and as they sit brooding, awaiting a stern talking to by the Vulcan schoolmaster, a news alert flashes on screen. Utopia Planitia is under attack. It's devastating. Thousands are dead as rogue scents pilot ships that lay waste to the facilities there. Kima's eyes fill with tears. The two girls watch the screens and gently hold each other's hand. The end. It's so lovely. Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> it, six minutes of heartfelt Star Trek that I boiled down into a couple of paragraphs, but... Um, did you uh, did you get the feels watching? I did. It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, six minutes is not very much time. And in, in addition to that, there's there's not very much dialogue. No. So it's impressive to me that they were able to get across what they needed to get across in it, that amount of time with like almost no dialogue. It, it's kind of the lovely thing about any well-written short story or a short film is that you can have this emotional impact in such a short time. And it, it's funny, I actually, I, I didn't even tell you about this. I got into an argument, just like, uh, it, it was a tense argument on Christmas night in somebody's house about 
the 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 J.J. Abrams Star Trek and Star Wars films and their various merits. And I said, look, that opening eight minutes of Star Trek 2009 cannot help but make me cry. The music I, I, alone makes me cry now. If I hear that music without even seeing the film, I know what that association is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Knowing you, that does not surprise me. But, <laughs> I cry over everything. <laughs> it was a ham cry. Um, <laughs> but but um, yeah, it, like it, to tell something where you can do something with uh, great editing, great music, terrific actors, and just make you immediately relate and feel what they're feeling. There's something so universal about this idea of being, you know, awkward and in a bad mood and put off by the person around you and, and your feelings come to a boiling point. Um, and then something from the outside throws you for a loop. All of that is very relatable. It's very, um, it's very human. And they, they told this beautifully human story in that short time. And uh, I was telling you before we went on the air that I really love it when, well, Star Trek in particular, because there is so much Star Trek, but any well-known franchise that can tell a story from an outsider point of view, I think is really, uh, it, it's a lovely thing to be able to do when it's not just every week tuning in for the captain and the spaceship and they're going off to do a thing. This time, let's just take a take a breath. Let's take a moment, and let's see what's happening in somebody else's life on Earth in this particular case, and how their lives are going, and what's the emotional impact when something else major happens. I, I think that's a it's a way to ground a story that Star Trek is usually good at, but doesn't, in my opinion, do enough of. Just tell the very human grounding story, then let us go off into the adventure, then let us deal with a heavy sci-fi topic. Right. And I and I think to that point, in terms of it being a very human experience, I feel like the past few generations, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've all had something happen. I mean, we've had 9-11, there was... Um, Pearl Harbor, there was the assassination yeah. of Kennedy, like there was something in almost every generation, at least for the last like four or five generations, mm -hmm. that everyone remembers where they were. And everybody has their own little story about where they were when it happened, how they found out about it, how they reacted to it. And I feel like this is a nice little Trek version of that, um, that, that takes all of that that people that everyone can relate to because everybody has seen some national emergency or international emergency happen um devastation yeah. i mean australia is going through the wildfires right now i feel like that's yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's up and, there yeah well and, and to your point you know when it's something sudden and it it just completely throws off what you think is important that day you know i i remember um very acutely in 1986 when the Challenger disaster happened and I was at school and just the, the, these murmurs of something happened and then almost immediately TVs came out from everywhere in, in the library, in the lunchroom, in classrooms, whatever, and just 
everybody for the rest of the day was watching. See, and everybody has a story. And I heard somebody telling the story of that a couple of weeks ago. I can't even recall who it was, but they were talking about how they were driving and people were like pulling over and listening to the radio. And she couldn't figure out why until she realized that there was like a guy pulled over crying and she turned the radio on and realized what had happened. I don't remember that because my mother was still pregnant with me. (laughs) (laughs) That's how young I am. (laughs) Sure. Brag. Go ahead. This is your platform. To yeah. <laughs> I'm a tiny child. Um, yeah. But I mean, stuff like that. That's a good example as well Is like everybody remembers where they were. And, and you just told the story of where you were and how it how it happened in, in your perspective. And this is a good perspective piece from people that are kind of, you know, underlings like they have. Yeah. They're, again, like you said, like they're not the captain, they're not main characters, but it's nice to see a different perspective um, because the planet still exists. There's still people down here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are they doing? Yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing that it, it's a good story to tell when not everybody is heroic. You know, th- this isn't their thing to go solve. Th- th- that's it's something that happens later. You know, we always know that when there's a big thing that happens in Star Trek, okay, now we're going to follow, well, it's Kirk's story to go follow what happened at Praxis. It's, you know, and we're always following that for the heroics, but there's this emotional fallout to all the other people who are affected. And I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm uh, uh, busting on JJ here a little bit, but when you go into a scene like, say, the uh, the last act of uh, Into Darkness, and what you have is starships crashing into cities, and you go, uh, wait a minute, there, there are hundreds of thousands of people who would be impacted by this in no small way, but it sort of just becomes special effects, you know, and, and I think you lose an emotional connection to it. This is all about the emotional connection. Right. And and set up in a really smart way to just go, yeah, this is something we can relate to, you know, kids with parents, kids who don't get to see their parents. Maybe there's some tension there, but they're working and we know what it's like to be working and separated. You know, I, so th- this is all driven home in just such a smart, realistic way. So can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. Um, I agree. Let's go over to our first caller, waiting patiently since we started tonight. It is the Vice Admiral. <laughs> Welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you, John? I'm doing all right. Welcome. I'm Holly. Good to see you. Hi. What uh, What is on your mind tonight? Ah, so many things. But let's uh, let's stick with the uh, the uh, the episode, right? Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, nice uh, L cars behind you. I believe I believe that's the, that is said. one of the the YouTube uh, hours long things. Okay, because it says system forty seven. Oh nice. yes, it does. Yes, it, it does. Uh, okay, yeah, forty seven. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Everybody, take a shot. I don't have to tell you that. You probably already did. Uh, uh, I do whenever I can. Okay, good, good. It's good policy. Yeah. So let's talk about the episode or whatever you want. We we can. Oh uh, no, no, the episode, the episode, the episode. Also, I I, you saw what I said about about Norman last week, and uh, again, he's great. I look forward to a lot of uh, a lot of fun with him. 
So I, I I'm really excited about him coming on board and and you know it really goes back to what Rod said that I said on the welcome show and we'll get into it more next week but um, Rod nailed it he just said he he sounds like he's already been there yeah and and that, that is, you know not in a bad way like no, oh we've heard no. this before it's like no no there, there was an ease to just him being part of the team. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we're, we're grateful for him. I'm, I'm grateful that he agreed to do it. Not the easiest conversation to have at the beginning. I think maybe we'll talk about this next week too. I think he's a little hesitant, but uh, we'll, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that it's out. A, big shoes to fill, big shoes yeah. to fill. But in the meantime, uh, as far as Children of Mars goes, all right, so first of all, we have to say that uh, you were, as you were saying, that there's a significant component about the historical, um, you know, the way that we see these big, uh, events that can significantly change things, and especially when it's, um, uh, shall we say, disastrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to think about the fact that the uh, attack took place on apparently on first contact day. Which, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, was that intentional on the part of the attackers to be there to say, well, look, there was this day that you thought was really great, and uh, we're we're here to tell you that you guys aren't that great. And here's uh, here's some new memories for you. Oh, that is a good point. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're talking in the beginning about like how they can't come home for the holiday and stuff. So, I it it was a, a joyous day that is now going to be associated with something not so joyous. Yeah, that be that would be tough, right? That would be tough to have like something tragic happen on like Christmas for us. Yeah. Well, and folks that were, you know, folks that were born on 9-11 or, or December 7th, 1941, they've, you yeah. know, they've got that stuck with them for, for good. Yeah. I have a friend whose little sister was born on 9-11. I mean, years before, but now it's like, that's the association with her birthday and it bums her out. So you have to wonder if that was uh, intentional again on the part of the attackers to, to, which would also give us perhaps some idea of how deeply motivated they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, at, at first I think everybody's uh, initial thought was let's go through this episode. And, and I know that I did the freeze frame and I'm just looking mm. for every oh, little yeah. reference and every little bit of text and um, you go, Oh, okay. It's first contact day. It's, the producers and writers sort of sending us a message like, oh, this is something in Star Trek world that everybody relates to. But now in this subversive way, oh, we're messing with that. You know, it's the characters within the show messing with that and and turning this happy occasion into something tragic. It's also the writers to the viewers messing with that by saying like, oh, we're giving you now a new context to look at this. Um, So it's interesting. And it's always fun to me that uh, every April you go online and, you know, most of my feed is full of Star Trek fans and they're all saying happy first contact day. Well, now come April, uh, happy first contact day will also be met with people who are showing screen grabs of the attack on, uh, on Mars. And you have to think also that that goes all the way back. I mean, first contact day, is Picard's as well in a very special way. Yes. Yeah, it's because of the Enterprise E coming back in time and and saving. Although, now, now here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. All right, the Enterprise E goes back in time. 
they save first contact day by defeating the Borg and letting drunk Zephram Cochran do his thing. Right. Okay. Now, nobody in 2063 knows about that. Right. Except for Zephram Cochran and Lily. And that, that's it. Okay. When the Enterprise comes back to the 24th century, do they go to these Starfleet archives and say, you guys are not going to believe what we just did? No, <laughs> temporal no? prime directive. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay. All right, okay. DTI would prevent that from, uh, from being a thing, <laughs> I would think. Temporal so, prime directive. All right, so it's a secret that everybody who was on the Enterprise during that mission knows and except for those poor souls who became Borg and got killed along the way, yeah. come back to the 24th century and like, oh, we're sorry. We had this thing. They're gone. Well, what happened? Ah, I just, we can't talk about it. Oh, man. Yeah, there has to be, I guess, that's like a massive cover-up, right? It's well, it wouldn't have to be that layer. massive. They just get them really drunk every first contact day in, in honor of Zephram Cochran. <laughs> and everybody's happy. Oh, oh, layer upon layer of deception. The more this happens, the more I'm I'm very concerned about it. This, well, have you read any of the books about the Department of Temporal Investigations and all of their little um, machinations to try to keep things from uh, spilling out? No, I haven't. I, is this something that Dayton writes? Because it just sounds like the kind of thing I that you so. kind of would. <laughs> no, the Temporal no, it's, Prime it's, Directive was... The I directive mean, was, yeah. It was also part of that because it, it's the same two agents from the DS9 episode. Um, uh, Luxley. Uh, yes. And, uh, um, and they're named after Scully and Mulder. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, Vice Admiral, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Any any parting thoughts for us tonight? Did you uh, were you able to share everything you wanted to say about Children of Mars? Oh, sure. And I, I would not ask you for spoilers for Picard, but uh, I do look forward in the next few weeks to talking with you about it. Offline, offline. <laughs> <laughs> As you wish, sir. Holly, right, John, been great. All right, have a great night, man. Take you too. care. Take care. Hey, by the way, uh, shout out to... Lieutenant Jay, Tracy Lukoko, who's watching the show right now, got to say hi. She says, thanks for the live interview. That was a lot of fun. A little bit of a, a test and experiment for me to take a phone hooked up to multi-stream to Facebook Live and to YouTube and to, uh, uh, well, restream on Twitch, Periscope. We're going to add Twitch at some point and do some live coverage. It's a little janky. It's a little weird, but we're getting there. We're, we're streamlining that. And uh, hopefully there'll be more to come. But so cool to hang out with Tracy. Say hi to her. If you go to the Facebook page or you go to our YouTube page, Roddenberry Prod, you can see the interview with her and uh, hashtag bring back Lieutenant Jay. Uh, so check that out. And uh, we just got to chat in the theater for a while and it was it was absolutely lovely to see you. So Tracy, hi. Um, let us move on to our next caller who has also been waiting and that is Karen. Karen, who's on the phone. Hello, Karen. Are you there? Hi, how are you? Karen, how are you tonight? A pleasure to, to hear your voice again. I'm good. good. Really good. I'm pretty, pretty excited. Yes. <laughs> nice to have something exciting to look forward to. You should be excited about this, I think. I think the anticipation around Picard is massive and if all they had was just relying on nostalgia, I, like I, I'm, I'm kind of good with that, you know. But 
there's a lot of substance there. So that that's why I hope you know come for the nostalgia, stay for the substance. I think should uh, <laughs> should be the the mantra going forward. But um, I really would. Wouldn't expect any left, to be honest. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great team behind it, and I think very thoughtful about what they're what they're working on for this. Uh, talk to us about Children of Mars. Did you uh, have a chance to give it a look and have any thoughts on it? Oh yes, I saw it twice. Um, All right. Once by myself, first day. I tried to I, I watched it that morning so it wouldn't get spoiled for me. Okay. And uh, then. Uh, a casual Trek viewer friend uh, was over the next day, and I had and I watched it with her, and she thought it was beautiful, which huh. I wasn't sure how she. I never know, you know, because she's not a big. She she has watched Discovery with me, and she really likes it. Hmm. Um, and she vaguely remembers TNG. So, but she said, "Oh, that was beautiful." And oh. sad, <laughs> you yes. know. So, I mean, I feel like anybody can watch it. You don't have to have a deep understanding of Star Trek to watch that and understand the entire piece, right. which is really nice. Right. But I, w- I was going to mention because I hear some people uh, not complaining necessarily, just they didn't care for the music choice necessarily. And I thought it was wonderful. Hmm. I mean, just the structure of it just was beautiful with it. I mean, the build and the pacing was so perfect into the fight, you know? Yeah. And um, some people questioned, well, why that song? It doesn't go with it. But I think it does. I mean, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not like a David Bowie encyclopedia or, you know, (laughs) I don't, I don't Uh know his music fantastically well, but I do know that that's a, just the, if you ripped it to the bare bones that it's about um, two people from opposite sides of the wall coming together mm-hmm. and in the in the space of standing against the world, standing against the, you know, the Cold War, Cold War era. That's why I that thought it was an appropriate a, choice. Yeah. Right. It's absolutely yeah. an appropriate That's choice. I haven't seen anybody argue that it was a bad choice. I've oh. Everybody that I've seen has said that it was a really great mm-hmm. choice, but... I mean, do the people no, that are I, complaining about it not know what the basis of that song is, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's it. Or they're, you know, they're looking at it as the love story, whereas I'm looking at it as it's the two people from different worlds coming together in the face of, you know, politics and states and, you know, uh, military. It, they come together in, in spite of all of that. And it's really quite fit it. Of course, we don't know their history. We have to assume, I assume they have a little history. They're in the same class, that one, at least the one class together. So they have to know a little bit about each other. They sit right next to each other. Their parents both work on Mars. Mm-hmm. So they probably know a little bit about each other at, at the very least. And so they both immediately know the ramifications of what they're seeing, which was yeah, I mean, you couldn't help but get that feeling of nine one one for me. I yeah. I just I'm like, yeah, you have that crystallization moment, and I can remember exactly what I was doing, you know, little mundane things, and so I just I thought that was so beautifully constructed. Yeah, and those girls. I to be honest, I want to follow those girls. And no, 
what happens? What, you know, did, I, I just, they were charming and the, the nuanced expressions and eye talk that was going on was great. Right. I, I feel like there's a good there's a good setup for them to maybe do a short trek on orphans of of Mars now. Oh, sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how I mean, we only know of two of them at this point, but I mean, there has to be, you know, based on how many people were killed on that planet, what percentage of them are parents? So right. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's going to be a, there's going to be a group group of orphans now. Yeah. yeah. Well, Star Trek so is full of be- orphans. <laughs> well, all, all of Star Trek is full of orphans, <laughs> as we know. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's something really cool about these short treks overall that allow us to tell a story in a very compact form, obviously, because it's short, but an experimental way. Like, I don't need the five-act structure. I don't need the teaser. I don't need all the, I I can just sort of be in a moment with these characters and just feel the emotion of the piece, pick up the little details that feel relevant. And um, I want to go back to this song uh, that you're talking about, We Can Be Heroes, uh, because yeah, thematically, I agree with both of you that it, it, it fits so nicely lyrically. It fits so nicely again, to be able to do something experimental, almost like a music video in some places here, because there's just a little bit of dialogue scattered throughout, uh, to drive home this idea. Yeah. We can stop being enemies. We can stop the antagonism. We not only can, but we might be called to rise above who we think we are. Now, I want to ask you something, yeah. both of you, that is maybe, uh, maybe I'm giving this too much thought, but there's something about this that I related back to my feelings about watching the movie First Contact, which is, does it take a disaster to make us see each other as equal. We we do this a lot historically. Karen, you just mentioned 9-11. Um, you know, that was a time when historically, you know, right after it on September 12th, we decided we're all Americans and we're all in this together. And New Yorkers were so nice to each other. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But well, then politically, the divisions got wider and wider. And... I, I, you know, you, you, you want to pull for these two girls. You, you pull for Lil and Kima. You say, oh, look, fighting in a hallway is awful. You need to see each other empathetically and with love. Uh, but for whatever reason, you, you've shut that out. You're fighting with each other. Now here's this awful thing from the outside that makes you see each other as beings that deserve respect and friendship. Um, I think it's great when people do that, but I also wonder, does it always take a disaster to make us do that? Well, it's interesting because that's something I actually think about often. I, you know, brought it up, not even huge disasters, um, or I mean, or national disasters or world disasters, but I have had the conversation with people that it's amazing you have especially in my corner of my state, wide uh, everywhere, but there's some pretty wide divisions, but you'll have a tornado that hits and destroys everybody's property and everything. And uh, within 
minutes, practically, people just show up and start working on someone they don't even know's house and helping them clear stuff away. And there's just this whole, for a certain amount of time, that that's what happens just even in that kind of disaster. And I kind of wonder, is that just human? Is that a human nature thing? I don't yeah. know. I think that's a big question. But you see it on a small scale. You see it on a large scale. You know, for the most part, if you see somebody who's injured, you don't worry about what their stance is on anything. You go to help them, you yeah. know. And but but then, so but then how I, soon do we forget that point of view? You know, like <laughs> it's like right after the disaster, we're there for each other. And then you can feel it. You quickly. can feel that trickle away. And we're back to each other's throats. You know, they, they're not in yeah. our particular group or our point of view. Then they suddenly become the other. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a difficult question. And I think that happens pretty quickly in most situations. I don't know what yeah. it would even take. Now, I, I, I will say this, though. I mean, what you want is for people to grow. You want people to change their minds. Um, the, obviously, that's. It. I think we all can look at each other and say, yes, we want a more empathetic world with more understanding. But then you say, okay, but are, are, are we getting there for the right reasons or are we getting there because we're terrified when something bad happens? <laughs> you know? So here's the question. Hmm. Here's the question. I think possibly the people directly involved with the disaster that probably remains more. You see that group form. You see it doesn't matter. They have a shared common event. The people on the periphery edges of that or the wider edges who don't have as much personal faith in that event, I think those are the people that quickly go back to a status quo or worse in some cases. Yeah. All right. And I also feel like it's... It's a level of feeling helpless. Like there's, you see this happen, you're not yeah. directly involved. It, it might impact you, um, you know, if it's a national tragedy, it'll impact you in a certain way, even if if no one that you know is is associated with it or involved in it. Um, you know, I didn't know anybody that was killed in 9-11, but I still remember where I was and that impacted me. And I feel like there's this, anytime something like that happens and it might be, this is the part of human nature is that we feel helpless and we're kicked into what can I do? And I feel mm-hmm. like maybe when people discover there's, there's, you know, aside from, I don't know, giving money or actually going to help clean up something, like there's not a lot that, that you can do. And I think maybe that's why it sort of fades away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hey, that is uh, true, but. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. No, I, I just think that it's, it's, uh, it's, this is like, uh, anyway, <laughs> I think it's a very, I think it's real applicable though, you know, so it makes me even want to follow Will and Kima even more. Yeah. I, isn't that a, a great thing that has come out of, you know, literally a six minute short track is <laughs> now we get to have this deep conversation about this, not just putting the uh, head cannon pieces together and all that. It's, it's pretty fascinating. And, yeah, it, and again, sort of hats off to the, uh, go ahead. It's definitely also about perspective. I mean, their petty yes. arguments just disappear. I mean, it's a, it's a perspective thing as well. Yeah. So, yeah. but 
Well, I Absolutely. sure appreciate it. I think I'm taking up a lot of your time and I'm sure there's other no, callers. No, hey, you, uh, you are welcome to call in anytime that you want and share your thoughts with us. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, we uh, we will uh, let you go so we can bring in uh, another caller in just a moment. But thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Yeah, I super, super enjoyed talking to you guys. Great. All right. Well, we'll do it again. Cheers. Have a great night. All right. All right. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Hey, Holly, before we bring in uh, Doug, who has been standing by patiently, I would love it, absolutely love it, if you would tell me and the other people watching about the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Absolutely. So what else is on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, you might be wondering? Well, we have Mission Log, obviously. Priority One Podcast. Join them for their live show Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Easter. There's Women at Warp, The Trek Files, Daily Star Trek News, and the newest member of the troupe is Shabam. Excellent. So you guys can find them at podcast.roddenberry.com. Well said. Well said. By the way, uh, before we go to Doug, uh, I have to mention here that there is uh, a comment from David in the chat. He says, still no mentions of the kids' school uniforms seem like a version of the Monster Maroon. Intentional? Question oh, that's a oh. good point. I didn't mm -hmm. even think of that. I've been talking about the music pretty in-depth with people. Yeah. I haven't even I hadn't even looked at the costumes. Wait, uh, you were talking about how the uh, the shorts have been able to kind of experiment. This conversation I was having on Twitter last uh -huh. week, someone had asked me if there's been any instance in Star Trek of non-diegetic music. If you guys don't know what non-diegetic means, it means that it's it's coming. It stuff comes from a source usually like a radio or something like that. But then there's orchestra music that's played over. And you're assuming, well, obviously the characters can't hear it. It's like mood music. Yeah. The mood music in Star Trek up until now has always been the orchestra music. There's never been anything with lyrics until the two short treks this, this yes. time around. Yeah. Johnny yeah, Appleseed. Right. And I mean, we like I was talking about this for hours with people on Twitter, like <laughs> trying to think of something. And there's 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 instances of transitions where it sort of starts off like that. And then it turns out that it's like, you know, Vic Fontaine on stage or something like that. Right. Right. So but this but Short Treks is the first time that we can think of. And I mean, we were like mm. really thinking hard about it. Oh. Short Treks is the first time Johnny Appleseed. And then we. Yeah. From, from this one. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't think about that. Um, oh, uh, uh, speaking of those uh, uniforms, I was thinking, David, that, you know, uh, first of all, it's a nice color choice. Uh, I like a nice dark red blazer whenever possible. Um, but uh, I thought about the the Academy scenes from the J.J. Abrams. Abrams, yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of red in that as well. Red is I did I did notice their shoes, though. I, You know, yes. Star Trek's ability to match shoes to outfits. <laughs> That's right. God, it's so good. So good. Like it, every incarnation of Star Trek has been able to do that. It's very impressive. Yes. The question, do they start with the shoes and then dye or match fabric to that? Do they go backwards? I don't know. It's a great question, yeah. but I can tell you having uh, built some Ferengi costumes for creation at Star Trek Las Vegas, we bought boots and then spray painted them to match. So the oh, boots, uh, the boot yeah. color came after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's legit, though. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, very cool. All right. Well, let us go over to Doug and say hello tonight. Doug, how are you, sir? Hi, good. How are yourselves? Doing all right. Thank you for joining good. us tonight. 
Thanks for having me. Um, I think Karen's reference to people commenting on the music was solely me, I think. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, we're going to have another perspective. No, no oh, okay. well, I, don't, I don't actually think you will now because uh, uh, I am a big Bowie fan and that uh, Peter Gabriel album that that song is his version is from is is pretty good. But um, I think but um, Karen kind of convinced me otherwise. Originally, I thought, oh, wow. why, why is it this song? Like so often we see in trailers and things just like some sort of classic song with the slowed down version, you know, often with that like plunking piano or something like that. Right. Um, and I thought, okay, they're just picking this emotive song. And I didn't really see the connection, especially as these two children who are the main characters didn't seem actively involved in terms of that heroism, like this theme of we can be heroes. To me, I was thinking of it as like, oh, these are probably two characters that we'll get to learn later and will probably become heroes because of this day or something like that or, or, or inspired by it. But to me, I was like, I don't know if I, if I felt there was a strong connection directly that way until Karen, and I appreciate her comments so much, uh, brought up that other verse, you know, again, again, the context of the two people meeting and then stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, that does fit pretty well, actually, I guess, with the theme of the episode. So yeah, I, uh, I kind of retracted. So. Nicely said. You know, uh, I, I wonder, and, and maybe it's just my experience of it, but um, whenever I watch Star Trek, or whenever I watch anything that I have to kind of study for a show, you know, I'll watch it through normally, and then usually the second or third time, I always watch it with uh, closed captioning turned on. And they always put, if there's music playing, they put the lyrics to the music in there. So at least on the second or third viewing of this, when I was watching it, I'm watching the scenes happen, whatever dialogue is in there, but then the lyrics to the song are coming up and it kind of, I guess, drove home uh, the, the thematic connection with the show, just because you're seeing this action and then you're seeing literally the words, we can be heroes. I'm like, oh, oh my God, it, it's these kids, you know? <laughs> the, this is them growing. The, this is kind of a beautiful thing here. So, um, I, and that might just be my experience, but you know, sometimes that helps. That's great. And I should be doing the same thing. I work as a hearing aid practitioner and tell people to put closed captioning on every day at my job. So I should be doing this. Oh, oh, um, so I'll take yeah. that cue. Um, personally, I felt like, um, I guess maybe if I watched it another time or two, I might have a different response, but I didn't truly get like a strong emotional reaction. It just felt like to me, like a prologue. I was like, okay, here's the setup for her card, I guess, as you find out at the end, um, some extra information for, I don't know. It just, for me, it just didn't quite click emotionally and it, a lot of people in the comments are really um it's really hitting home so it just could be just could be me um but um i also one thing that really hit me was i kept thinking about how great the makeup was on i forget wow. the name of the character but the one the one actress came up uh, yeah yeah it was stellar and for like yeah. on a child teenager or child actress and the contacts all that stuff uh those are got to be long days in makeup and then to also be emoting so well and everything was really impressive, I thought. Yeah. Um, and and uh, even with the CG stuff, like her doing the thing with the tongue and all that, like it, it could have been distracting and annoying, like, oh, look, they're doing a special effect. But it was cute and fun and in context when you saw her mother at Utopia Planitia. Like uh, all of that stuff, I just, I thought really landed because you have to treat that with a delicate hand. Uh, just enough can become too much very quickly. 
Mm -hmm. And one more thing, and then I'll let us, uh, or two more quick things, and then I'll let you carry on if that's all right. Yeah, um, <laughs> was on, on the previous note there um, that Karen and, and y'all were talking about, um, about that sort of like, does it take a disaster to bring people together? Mm -hmm. And and I agree in terms of that immediacy afterwards, like you see it a lot. Um, um, my hometown just lost 30 some people on that flight to you from Ukraine to oh no that's one percent of my city's Iranian population um and so oh like the city kind of is rallying behind that and you, you sense that but you know shortly after you know three days later or whatever on Twitter and you're seeing other people having pretty horrible things to say and uh, it's uh it's an unfortunate side that it, you know these events can bring people together but like you said John earlier it can also tear people apart in in rough ways as well and um and one thing I, I kind of think about is sometimes you have those events and it brings people together in the immediacy. Like, I'm not sure if it was Holly or Karen who mentioned that, that immediate reaction of helping people, but it also can often create like the other, like bring people together against this group or something like that. Yeah. And um, I wonder if that'll be explored in Burkhard with these synths, whatever they are and all that kind of stuff or something. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. yeah no, that's that's, gonna go. that's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, you, you're, you're narrowing it on something that is very human, which is to always create the other, create the the in-group and out-group. And sometimes those are very small and it might be on the micro scale like kids at school, or it might be on the macro scale, uh, whether it's political parties or so-called races or, or whatever. It, it's... Um, you know, we're not going to solve that tonight in seven minutes left of a podcast. <laughs> it's it's not going to happen. But um, but you bring up something that seems to be uh, at least a theme that I find in Star Trek very frequently. But it's also something that pops up in the news all the time. And, you know, I've mentioned it before on Mission Log, where you'll hear a story about somebody whose prejudice changes. You know, it, it, it's somebody who, um, I, you know, I, it, an easy example is, okay, there's a politician who is uh, hateful and closed-minded about the rights of uh, gay or lesbian people, okay? And then inevitably, usually set your watch by it, you know, a family member, particularly like a son or a daughter, will come out, and then suddenly that politician changes their mind, like, oh, well, now, now I realize that I'm talking about human beings who deserve the same dignity and rights and respect as other human beings. And half of me says, thank goodness, somebody changed their mind because they saw the inherent humanity in somebody else. And the other half of me says, why in the world did it take that instead of just from the default position saying, Every human being deserves the rights and the respect that other human beings get, regardless of who they are, until they actually uh, prove that they are not deserving of those rights in that respect. Um, so I'm I'm always torn when it comes to something like that, and and it's it's like this. I I want to see people change. I want to see people come together. I want to see people uh, uh, bound by friendship. But now you're pointing out this very dark side, Doug, which is, are we just moving the other to something else? 
and yeah, and I, I don't mean to be a downer, so I'll oh, I'll end on that. <laughs> no, but you brought a cat, so suddenly it's better now. Yeah. Um, but, but I will end on one one last happier or not happy note, but one thing that is um, it was interesting to see the eternal issues will still plague us generations down the line, and that being that of missing the bus and the frustration of missing. <laughs> the bus. And that's. Kind of that like shuttle Brown. waits for nobody. I mean, come on, is you like, isn't there somebody on board with a manifest saying, like, well, we have to fly the shuttle? Um, is everybody here? Yeah, Are there windows? There's windows, like you can see. She's still, <laughs> she's still on the ground, guys. Like, right. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for taking my call and uh, have a good rest of uh, your night. Cheers, Doug. Thank, thank you. you so much. Take care. Thank. Holly, did you ever take a bus to school at any point? <laughs> you know, um, I vaguely remember very early in elementary school taking a bus a couple of times. My mother would have better memory of this than me. <laughs> I think well, I remember raiding on a corner, like around the uh, corner from our house. But I don't, like, no, not regularly. Like, I, I would stay at daycare and my parents would pick me up hours okay. after school ended. Got it. Because I, I did in elementary school, took a bus every day. And and I just remember like in my neighborhood, that was a, a big circular thing. Like they would stop at the corner where my house was and then they go around and it's like, and they were there for at least a few seconds. And if I wasn't coming out, they'd move along. But then I could just see them around the corner and be like, oh, I'll, I'll walk across the street and go pick it up over there. So Right. Because it's not flying away. Well, I, okay, true, but, and there's no force field between me and the bus. But I mean, come right. on, that that if you're if you're dealing with the expense and complexity of flying a shuttle, it think you would think you would deal with like a list on your phone and go like, everybody here, yes, no, yeah, oh, there's one more. We can wait a few seconds for her to pick up her bag. <laughs> I'm just thinking that. Hey, uh, some other things that I wanted to point out in this episode before we say goodnight. Um, I'm glad to see that in the future, we still have motivational posters. Uh, so the kids are at school. And yes, you have the news feed from FNN, uh, Federation News Network, we assume. Uh, but then they have these like oddly motivational, like achieve and grow. And I thought... Just singular words yeah, demanding I, that you... It was a very like they live moment for me. I thought next we would see obey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is very dark dystopian. This is not Star Trek. What happened here? You know, um, but yeah. And, and even one of those, I think, achieve, I thought it was like grow just looks like it's a cornfield or something or a yeah. wheat field. And then uh, achieve, I think it looked like the Paramount Mountain, maybe. You know, or, or maybe that was just me applying that. You know, Earl Earl asks, are there still hanging their kitty posters in the future? I would like to think so. I think Doug, our last caller, would like to think so. There's still cats in the one. future. Still cats in the future. Chester. Spot. Yeah, spot. Yeah. You can even have holographic. Neelix. Yeah. Don't forget about Neelix. He's not a cat. Neelix is a cat. He's Barkley's cat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's that's good. He likes to uh, eat Troy's ice cream. It, yes, <laughs> yes, he does. That's that's good. Um, yeah, so I, I really don't have much more to add to this episode unless you do, Holly, just to say. No, that, it was I mean, a great conversation. It was, yeah. it was what I was hoping the conversation would be. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, six minutes of material and an hour long in depth <laughs> conversation. They should about be so the implications. proud of us and, and of themselves. Yeah, very cool. And how does this relate to Picard? We have no idea. We'll just have to wait like everybody else and see what happens, see if there's any connection at all other than that picture of Admiral Picard on the uh, the news feed to see if that ties in. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll hear more. Some people know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. All right, friends. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us, especially thank you to Holly for stepping in here last minute. I really appreciate it. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the indomitable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, that would be awfully nice of you. Give us a look at patreon.com slash missionlog. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week.